Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. So about Michael Jordan, <laughs> how you going from outside the finals? You can't even get in. Welcome to the Basketball Addicts Podcast. My name is Jason Collins. And I'm Chris Mohammed. And today we'll be going over the 80s to 1990. We'll be talking about the players from the, the 80s and the 1990. And we will be talking about how we view the evolution of a basketball and how it's changed from the 70s and 60s. We're going to talk about our top 10 list for that era. We're going to go over the news and notes from this previous week it's been a really fun watch these guys definitely improved obviously we're going to talk about larry legend versus the boston celtics i mean versus the magic johnson's lakers accounting for eight titles in total between the two teams so wow it's gonna be a really fun podcast we're gonna start it off with the news and notes uh can i say one thing before we start yeah go for it we're talking about michael jordan hey go ahead from outside he couldn't even get in he couldn't even get in we'll get into that later but he couldn't even get in he couldn't even get in he, he was hating from outside the finals he couldn't even get in he couldn't even get in he couldn't even get in, couldn't even get in. Couldn't even get in. Uh, this is your go well in the words of skip bayless my guy has been to the finals nine straight times <laughs> Oh my goodness. He could have been I should have known, known you were going to do that. Yeah. Michael Jordan did not reach the finals once in the 1980s. That's what Chris, that's what Chris is getting on. All right. So, our first thing is really sad. Trey Young got hurt. His x rays came back ne- negative, which is good news, but his injury looked really bad. Hopefully, he gets back soon. Yeah, prayers up for him for sure. We need to. He was very exciting to watch, you know. We just hope for a speedy recovery so he can get back on the court. Yeah, I just, you know, it's coming near the end of the season, and they're about the four or five seed right now. I think the Knicks actually technically have the four seed, but I think That's getting to that four and five seed is clu- crucial for them because facing the Bucks, the Nets, or the Philadelphia 76ers is scary. You know, they'll probably have trouble beating any of those teams, so. Yeah. They got to really hold on to the spot while he's hurt. The Knicks were the fourth seed? Yes. That's ridiculous. You know the last time they were in the finals was when Carmelo was a Nick? I mean, not in the finals, but when they were the last time they were in the playoffs oh, was when Carmelo was a Nick? Yeah. yeah, they did have a good run with them, with J.R. Smith, Monshaw, put on the team. That's crazy. They're about to be in the playoffs. as a fourth <laughs> seed in the East. Yeah. I mean, that's something the Heat would probably want to be the fourth seed in the East because you spend all that trade assets to get Victor Oladipo and you could get bumped in the first round. Ooh, yeah, true. True, true, yeah. true. 
That would be crazy if they did, though. Yeah. The Knicks? Uh, I'm rooting for the yeah. Knicks in the East. I'm rooting for the Knicks. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. Because I'm, I'm excited. Like, this is yeah. basketball. Like, we have not seen the Knicks be a formidable team underdogs. in a long time. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. It's the story. It's the story. It's definitely the story. Yeah. They'll probably get bounced in, like, five games. <sighs> I, I feel like they'll win. I feel, I feel like they'll take a series. Wow. I, I want to, Chris. What if they? What if they fall out of the four seat? What if they? What if they? You, you're taking them over the Bucks. You're taking them over the 76ers. You're taking them over the Nets. If they fall out of this series, uh, they, they can take a series. <laughs> they can take a series. They can take a series. They can take a series. Wow. Possibly, possibly. I want to have faith because this is the underdog team. We've seen underdogs do it before. We've seen the Nuggets mm-hmm. overachieve. I mean, they're a great team, but they overachieved. We see yeah, the Heat they overachieve. They're a great team, mm-hmm. but they overachieved. Like, why can't the Knicks overachieve? I don't want to be hating yeah. on the Knicks. I've been hating on the Knicks for a long time. I was like, oh man, the Knicks suck. Like, like the Knicks suck. But now they're actually good. They're a formidable team. Julius Randle is a de facto leader of that team. He's doing great. He's doing great work on the court. Really proud of him for stepping up, you know, and for, you know, becoming the leader that we all know he could have become. And we, you know, yes. we were just waiting. We were just expecting it too soon of him, you know. Yeah. So yeah, one they of the definitely news get the notes is that he he did drop forty, eleven, and six See? in a game this week. So he gets the claps for that. He definitely gets the claps. Yeah. For he sure. definitely plays with so much basketball IQ and just. I really respect his game. I'm, I feel like you feel the exact same way. Yeah, for sure. Let's. Nixon five. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't wait to write that down. Watch him fall to like the eighth. Do you see? <laughs> still taking them in five with the Nets. <laughs> they'll get a game. <laughs> oh yeah, okay. You said them in five. You say they're gonna beat the Nets in five. Nixon five. <laughs> oh my gosh! I'm so glad we got that on record. All right. <laughs> okay. So we have next is what everybody's talking about this week. Steph Curry losing his mind the past two weeks. Yeah. I mean, he's like coming close to so many guys' records. Like Michael Jordan, five 40-point games. And then you have the him coming close to getting 30 points in like 11 straight games, which passed Kobe Bryant losing his mind in 2012. Like his three-point percentage is ridiculous. His free-throw percentage is ridiculous. Like he's... He should, he should be the MVP this year. And this should be, yeah, his team might not even make the playoffs. Russell Westbrook is the precedent that I'm going for here. He <laughs> was doing the triple-double thing. His team was not that good. But, dear, please don't, dear God, don't give this MVP to Nikola Jokic. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... The uh, you know you, you got the one seed in the East, which will probably be the Nets, who have three guys that kind of negate each other statistically, other than James Harden. Just mm. that's ridiculous. But I mean, I'm fine with JoJo if he gets it because he has been ridiculous all year. But yeah, man, Steph Curry, what he's doing right now is absolutely amazing. It's groundbreaking. You know, he's. The way he has shaped the game, what I think people don't realize is he's going to change it forever. Yeah. Because current NBA players look at him like, I can't do that. Exactly. All the 10-year-olds, all the 11-year-olds are watching him, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. We've we've probably both seen this through the evolution of basketball, the series that we're doing. 
every 10 years, this game gets better, and they grow from the last 10 years. Yeah. What's the growth from Steph Curry going to be? So there's going to be some better. Somebody that's 6'7", or 6'6", or 6'8", with an athletic profile of a Michael Jordan, of a LeBron James, the great athletes. You see Steph Curry, what he's doing, you add that. It's going to be somebody that's going to be absolutely insane in a decade from now. For it's sure. going to be, yeah. So I, I, I love watching him play. I feel like everybody loves watching him play. He's must-see TV. It's like you got to turn it on. What do you have to say? What do you think? I would totally agree. Um, <clears throat> the one thing I would say is that if they could somehow sneak into the eighth seed, I don't mm. know, you know, if they could somehow sneak into the eighth yes. seed, they could. It's not that good. It's not. If they could sneak into the eighth seed, he could he could get an MVP like Russ did. Russ only got the MVP that year when he averaged triple double because he snuck into the eighth seed and then he got beat by the uh, um by the Portland Trailblazers. I mean, no, not by the Portland Trailblazers, by the Houston Rockets. Yeah, you, I can see. You, you remember that? Remember uh, that? Yeah, they yeah. did. They it got was beat, with they KD. Got... Yeah, KD was on the Warriors. Yeah, but they got the two seed that year. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, he got beat by the Rockets. He's stuck in the eighth seed. So if Curry can somehow will this team into the eighth seed, he has an MVP. I don't. It yeah. wouldn't be a doubt in my mind. Yeah, because yeah, for sure he needs that. He does not, not need it. Points right he now. he deserves it. He deserves it for sure. For sure, deserves it. Yeah, and it dispel dispels the thought process that I think people a lot of people had. I don't want to call you out on this, but I feel like you've had it a little bit in the past. Okay, listen, like Clay Thompson creates so much attention away from Steph Curry. You didn't think that Steph Curry was able to really do this on his own, which I feel like is a good sentiment. A lot of people have. Yeah, he's getting double teamed, like pick and roll. They're the center and the point guard are coming over. Like it's. He's 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 doing it without anybody else, which I feel like you know there's there's reasonable people with you know those ideas. It is just now you really you can't say that. I'm sorry. No, I don't believe I I kind of don't remember if I said it or not. But if I did, you know, I definitely don't truly believe that because I was thinking more mm-hmm. along the lines that with Clay and Steph on the floor, they kind of make like a, a like because of how great they are together and they are solo okay. as well, they're able to yeah, like create like this electricity where it's like they both draw attention so it frees other people yes. up. So like if somebody you can't guard them both, you know, if somebody's gonna score. But yes. the fact that but Cur- Curry's just a little bit more mobile because he's willing to run a track meet around the court for a little bit <laughs> and then get the ball. You know what I mean? Like He scares people to death with the ball and without the ball. Which yeah. is it's it's rare. You know, to be have somebody that has the, the things that Reggie Miller does with the off-ball stuff, type stuff and mm-hmm. the great on-the-ball revolution that he is. It's, yeah. And I do want to, like, go ahead and say something real quick about Draymond Green. Mm-hmm. He's definitely underrated because his job on that team is to get the ball to Curry, and he never fails yes. in that job. The handoffs are elite. Like, the space created, just... He's perfect yes. match for that team. Perfect. I'm so glad we had him uh, on our role players podcast. Yeah, check out definitely a good one. Definitely. All right, Zion Williamson, first player to reach 2,000 points, like the, the fastest player to reach 2,000 points since Michael Jordan. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 
Shocker, Michael Jordan's on our 1980s top 10 list. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, Zion Williamson is really special. He, he, he kind of... He's so he's so small on the court, but he is just so... Expl- like, he's not, like, muscularly small, but he's, like, 6'6". Six, six. Yeah, he's not that tall. So it's... He's so explosive and so able that he just does so many things in the court. He's a special talent. I hope, really hope he stays healthy because he, he's had a lot of injuries in the past. So that's definitely something that I hope for him because we all love watching great players. You know, I feel like we all wish that Derrick Rose could have stayed healthy. That type of thing. Derrick Rose is playing pretty level. good though. Derrick Rose is playing yes. pretty good. Is he? Wait, what, is Derrick Rose back on the Knicks? Yes. See. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So our next guy is um. Sorry, I accidentally hit the X button on the tab. <laughs> All right, Lamelo Ball. He's coming back. Yes. Woo! Let's go. Fun is coming back. Fun it's so much fun back. watching this crazy dude play. I think it's good for the NBA because in the history of the NBA, I feel like LaMelo Ball deserves to win this rookie of the year. I think Anthony Edwards would have won it, but now that he's going to get back and play the rest of the season, it's going to be him. It's just, he's so special, man. I mean, phenomenal passer, great with the ball in his hands, his creativity, he's fun to watch. He's just, he can score and much better than I think everybody else understood. I feel like the Lonzo Ball thing really hindered people from being able to just look at him play in in Australia and what you look on YouTube mm-hmm. spell his scoring ability I thought it was very good and I thought you know he's had good range and much better scorer than Lonzo I feel like you know I feel like he's been proven right to be a much better scorer than people he's definitely the complete package out of the ball family you know yes. like Lonzo has great court vision, and Lamelo's supposed to be like the not Lamelo, but Leandro's supposed to be like the better shooter. But he has like both of those qualities in one person. Yes, yes, yes. I completely agree. He's, he's the sky is the limit for Lamelo, and Sean Hornets probably will sneak into the playoffs to get slaughtered by the Bucks or something. <laughs> Charlotte Hornets versus Knicks confirmed. All right, we are three and zero on takes, Chris. Three and zero. Yeah, Michael Porter Jr. dropped thirty nine six and two. What did I tell you? <laughs> <laughs> what did I tell you? Look, we have a better record than Michael Jordan right now. <laughs> During the eighties, don't don't come for me, okay? <laughs> like for real, don't come for me. We have a better than in the eighties. In the eighties, yes. we have a better record than Michael Jordan in the yes. playoffs in the eighties. Okay, yes. geez, we know he had six rings. Leave him alone. <laughs> but in the eighties, he was losing. So we're three and zero right now. Wow. I mean, this kid is special, man. The way he moves at his size, shooting ability, finishing ability, mid range, it is. Jesus, if if he can do this consistently, Mike Malone could finally see it and be like, "Oh shit, he is way better than I thought." Like his his ceiling is better than Nikola Jokic. His ceiling is better than Jamal Murray. He has mm-hmm. the best player in the world ceiling. Like that's that's crazy. 
That's yes. crazy. And he's gonna be on the Nuggets. Yes. There's gonna be a point in time. I don't know how they're gonna pay all of them. They're not gonna be as deep, but two years from now, they could. Someone go to pay him. Rings, rings, uh, rings. They're gonna have to pay him. Uh, but you know what happens in this league? A lot of times, players show us glimpses mm-hmm. of what they can become, and front offices needs fired because they don't see it. And then they'll trade them off, and then they'll turn into a star. Like, look, I hate to bring this up, but this is the one thing I can always think of when I think of that. OKC. You're talking about KD, Paul George, or Russell Westbrook? James Harden. Uh, Mm. Didn't want to pay him. Didn't didn't want to pay him. him, Didn't see the value in him. Yes. Didn't see the upside. Didn't see the upside. And then what he goes and do? MVPs. It was Everybody on that team too. had... It was like, exactly. next season, he's dropping like 30. It's crazy. Yeah, I feel like that's a great point. Yeah. Because, I mean, every, when you pair it with Russell Westbrook, like, Russell Westbrook was better, younger. Like, younger, he was better. So he was like, okay, this is our guard. He's going to be passing the ball. He's going to be our assist guy. He's going to be our point guard. So when you have that J- James Harden, who's eventually going to become a phenomenal passer, he's a much better passer than this was, in my opinion. Mm. I love James Harden. Um, yeah. He's just an eye. And you have, okay, we have Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant, in my opinion, is the greatest scorer of all time. So at that point in time, he's the second best scorer on the team, and this is the second best passer on the team. Why do we need James Harden, right? Yeah. I feel like that maybe was their, what they're going with the money-wise, but obviously stupid choice. Uh, and I get what you're saying. I feel like it's a great correlation because that team wasn't ran through James Harden. They didn't really use James Harden to his full potential. And I yeah. feel like that's a great comparison to Michael Porter Jr. because that team is ran through the Jamal Murray, Will Barton. We have a guy off the bench like Monte. Morris, who's going to run the pick and roll with Nikola Jokic, and we're going to be a great team. We, yeah. you just they just once they learn how to integrate Michael Porter Jr. into the offense with the Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic, and Will Barton, and that whole pick and roll, they're going to be phenomenal, Chris. As if they do. A lot of times they miss out on these players, yes. you know. Like, yes. and if they don't appreciate him, another team will. And when oh he thinks to the promised land, or when he gets like these. Different accolades, like scoring titles, could be in the future. You never know. Yes. yes. And then we're all going to look back like they drafted well, but they did not utilize that player to the best yes. of his abilities. And now they're now they're eating sour grapes. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, just like OKC, you keep James Harden, Russell Westbrook, and Kevin Durant. One more yes. season. Give them one more season together. They would have. Yes. would have won. They would have won. Yes. It would have won. Especially if they would have. Westbrook, the throttle back. He was younger. He was kind of a negative influence sometimes. Yes. Yeah. All right. That translates well into Jokic losing his mind in a game 47 15 9. Yeah, this guy is. Four and no one takes. Because <laughs> <laughs> we said this last podcast where he was like, okay, with Jamal Murray, I'd have let those other guys step up. The Nikola Jokic's, yes. the, I mean, you know, like the microboard Jokic's, I would get to see what they can do outside of their normal role, you know? Yeah. I mean, he's a great example of positionless basketball. 
Yeah. Like anybody who looks at a team and says, like, who's the point guard of the Denver Nuggets? I feel like the people who know basketball say Nikola Jokic. You know, he's not the traditional point guard, but like, as high as size wise in the way he plays. But mm-hmm. the passer, the best passer on the team, it's him. You know, he's initiating the offense. Like, it's, he does the role of what the way that people classically view the point guard. And I just, I'm so glad that he's in the NBA. He's so much fun to watch. He's, he's so highly skilled. It's fun to watch a guy who's not as athletically gifted do what he does. His skill level is so special. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. So Anthony Davis is back, which it seems like he got injured last night. I haven't seen heard any news on that. So hopefully it's nothing serious. But I did see him feel some sort of leg injury again. But, yeah. I, but I I don't think I've heard any news about anything definitive. Mm-hmm. But the Lakers team, I have a few things. Is um, Taylor Horton Tucker dropping 24. And it's more of a not just Taylor Horton Tucker dropping 24, but the Lakers without LeBron James and Anthony Davis has allowed these role guys, you know, to develop, to gain confidence during the season. Now you, you have Taylor Horton Tucker dropping 24 in a game. Now that means when he's in the playoffs, hey, this guy could get a bucket. You know what I mean? He's in the playoffs with all the pressure in the world. Mentally, he can think, oh, I dropped 24 in the NBA in a game. Right. I'm good in the playoffs, okay? The pressure won't be. Like, these guys, every all of these guys are getting that mental edge. And I, I feel like that's really good for the team. And, you know, Anthony Davis is coming back. So they'll win more games. But they've kind of been able to not, you know, the when the Cavs lost LeBron James or, you know, LeBron James or Kyrie Irving, no, just LeBron James. But they had him. They would just be terrible. It would be like mm-hmm. loss, 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 loss. And it's just this team has kind of weathered the storm at least a little bit. Yeah. So I I feel like LeBron resting is also strategically sound because why would you like? What's the difference between being the number two seed and facing the Portland Trailblazers, or being the seven seed and facing? The Phoenix Suns. Right. Like, I would much rather play the... I'm cool with playing the Chaz. I'm cool with playing the Phoenix Suns. I'm cool with playing the Nuggets without Neil Gooch. You know, without without Murray. Right. I mean, you get to the 7-8 seed, you got Dame Lillard, you got possibly Steph Curry, you got Luka Doncic. Like, you're going to face great players. It's just, I feel like LeBron's really making the right choice by not pushing it if he is at like 90% right now or 95 mm-hmm. just wait until he's fully healthy and go slaughter some teams <laughs> <laughs> honestly hopefully Anthony Davis comes back you know completely healthy yeah he said he could let you this game he might have a leg injury I did watch the game a little bit I was like surprised to see him on the court I was like okay Anthony Davis back even though he did lose that game by like game winner by Luka Doncic for one special player <laughs> Very special player. All right. You ready to head into the evolution of the NBA? Yeah, I'm ready. All right. First things first, I it's like a never-ending list of power forwards. It's like Carl Malone, Moses Malone, Charles Barkley, Tom Chambers, Kevin McHale, and James Ward. Like, the skilled are getting a little bit taller, 
right now in the in uh, the eighties, and it's just. I mean, Carl Malone's are in our top ten list. Moses Malone's in our top ten list. Charles Barkley is. Tom Chambers is like a crazy what if story to me. Like he is crazy athletic. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he he kissed the rim. He's six ten, lanky arms. If you Google him, the first thing that's going to come up is before his time stretch big, and he's smooth athlete like. It's just I he had one season where he averaged twenty seven points per game. We're talking about guys in the Hall of Fame, but most of his years were less than twenty five points and it's just really odd watching him play because it's so explosive and I I'm surprised he didn't have a better career, but it's kinda weird. You know, it just you watch him and you're like, Why is this not a guy in the top ten list? Like he's he's special. Um Kevin McHale had Moves for days is just like post move, post move, post move. A little bit of a mid range. He's six ten. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's just he's got great footwork. And James Worthy is a great fit with Magic Johnson. Athletic can finish. You know, run the floor. So there's just so many great power forwards. You know, what do you think? Um, I would definitely agree with that. Um, this is definitely one of the. <clears throat> eras that really contributed to what we know today as the modern NBA, mm-hmm. which is what you're saying, you know, like the guys are getting more athletic every decade, as we were saying, like previously, the skill level goes up, the players yes. become more and more and more elite. It's, it's good that we're looking at the evolution of basketball, because when you look at the 60s, you're like, okay, they're fast, they're kind of sort of doing things we haven't seen We've seen now, which seems normal now, but then it could seem a little bit out of the ordinary. And then you look at the seventies, you're like, "Wait a second! Now this is where this is where that jump comes." And then now this this era of basketball, the eighties, and you look back at the other two eras, and you're just like, "What the heck was that back then?" And you just look like yeah. now it's definitely a change in the in how basketball is being played, who dominates the game, and even the guard play is changing as well. When you look at Players like Isaiah Thomas, who can, who you know, who are not just, who who probably you know, who aren't isn't a traditional point guard. He's not a okay. I gotta set up the play and pass the ball and stuff like that. He's crossing you up now. Now you're seeing different crossover moves, mm-hmm. and you're seeing him score. You're seeing layups and stuff like that. Now you're seeing the, the smaller guards kind of starting to emerge a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. They just have magic. Yes. And I think it's a little bit of the first time that we've seen a little bit of positionless basketball. I mean, it's mm-hmm. with the two greatest players of the era, but, I mean, Magic Johnson is power forward's body. He's a point guard. He's the greatest right. passer of all time. Like, that, that's he's a positionless basketball player. Larry Bird probably is the best passer on the team. It's close between him, Dennis Johnson, and, you know, Tiny Ultraball coming off the bench, but... It, it's he's a small forward, six nine, can score, get buckets, post up. It's just you know you pair that with passing ability, and it's like okay, he can. His position doesn't really matter because you know, he's a great rebounder, he's a great passer. Like it's just it's starting to come into the '90s where you're gonna have Penny Hardaway's a six seven point guard, Scottie Pippen's the best passer on those Bulls. Like it's just you can see the the, the trend of what we're currently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
All right, so then we will go with that. The human beings are just much more athletic. Honestly, I mean, no question, especially the top tier ones: Michael Jordan, Clyde Drexler, Dr. J, David Thompson, Hakeem Olajuwon's. He's he was really athletic, but he wasn't as polished as he's going to be in the '90s. So this way, he didn't make him the list. And then we have the f- uh, one of the craziest freaks of nature I've ever seen, Dominic Wilkins. And, I mean, you pair all that together, and these guys are just, you're starting to see more cons- more high-level athletic guys consistently in the NBA. It's just comparing them to the 60s is not even fair. Uh, comparing them to the 70s, there's not guys on this level athletically. And it's just so many of them are entering the NBA, and they're going to lead into the 70s, too, with... You know, Clyde Trexler, Michael Jordan, um, Hakeem Olajuwon, and uh, blinking on him, Dominique Wilkins. So, this is, you know, the growth of these hyper-athletic guys. What do you have? What do you think? Speaking of Dominique Wilkins, you know, (laughs) uber-athlete, you know, him and Michael Jordan battling out in the dunk contest. Uh, I mean, he won two... Mike won majority of them, but just Mike's free throw line dunk, which comes later in the 90s, and then just the vertical on Dominique Wilkins when he does his his windmill, just mm-hmm. these athletes are changing. I mean, yes. like, the best thing we've seen before the NBA dunk contest was the Dr. J ABA dunk contest, where he kind of flew through the air and kind of, like, dunked it from the free throw line a little bit. like And then mm-hmm. with, like, all the fl- flair and finesse he had on, like, his up and unders and stuff like that, his jelly But now the athlete has taken that and taken it so much further. Yes. Than what, what the people, the players in the 70s probably would have never knew that this is possible in this decade, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. I feel like this is a good sentiment. I also feel like we start to see a little bit of a birth of something that's going to be still in the NBA now. Probably peaked a little bit in Carmelo's era, but the ISO forwards with the ability to look, read footwork, you know, the ball movement, how you're going to hold the ball in your hands, being able to do pump fakes, up fakes, you know, just like a, a the ISO scoring ability of specifically Alex English and Larry Bird. Mm-hmm. Those hyper-skilled wings, you know, neither one of those guys are highly athletic. They're both in our top ten list, and it's just, it's it's the start of a long era of basketball. These six, seven, six, eight, six, nine, six, ten. KD might be six, eleven. Just highly skilled buckets. You know what I mean? Just mm-hmm. unstoppable. And I, I feel like that's really cool. And it's definitely something completely new in the 80s. It's just There were some guys that, like Dr. J that were hyper-athletic, but they weren't highly skilled like these guys are. That's kind of where I'm getting to. Yeah. Is there between being skilled and being athletic? Yes. All right. And then we have the Lakers and Celtics, which define the era. Of course. Super teams. Definitely. I mean, the first original super team is... You win have eleven ranks. That's a super team, but you know we have two two super teams here, accounting for eight of the NBA Finals. A lot of people consider them the two players that saved the NBA. I mean, you have East Coast, West Coast, Los Angeles, 
close to New York and Boston, completely different cultures. You know, they were perfectly placed in that time frame and with phenomenal teams around and the fit. It's just yeah, it was it was really great. What do you think? I feel like that clash of the gargantuans in Magic Magic's Lakers and Larry Bird Celtics was like yes. a era defining moments. Yes. Um, when you, I mean, Larry Bird, you know, later on in his career, he wasn't as the great a player as he is, as he was during this time period. And the mm-hmm. same with Magic with like the different injuries and then even the disease and everything. But yes, watching back, this was peak basketball. This was basketball that you wanted to see. This was Showtime. This was the Celtics. Yes. You you had Larry Legend. You he was out here cooking people, telling them what he's gonna For do. Sure. Oh, watch this! I'm gonna do it right here. And then Absolutely. oh, and then you have Everybody. tall guards like Magic. You know what I mean? And he's like yes. finesse, pure finesse with the ball, like doing things yes. you never would have even thought of possible. Yes, unless you know who Pete Maravich is. There is the <laughs> yeah. correlation there. You see what mm-hmm. I'm saying? That's so now right. you have. This saucy guard he can't really, like, I mean, he doesn't have necessarily, like, a three-point shot, but he's able to score. He's able to facilitate in a way that we've never been able to see possible. And you have an aged Kareem on that team. Then if you look at the Celtics, you have Kevin McHale. You have Larry Bird. You have Dennis Johnson. You have an aged Robert Parrish. You have an aged tiny Archibald. You know what I mean? I think Danny Ainge, and I think you might even have an aged Havlicek as well. You might. Or was he in the set? no. No. Is it that was last, that was a decade? You might prior. be thinking of Bill Walton. Bill Walton. You know, now you ha- you have these two teams who are going head to head and just defying an era. You know, yes. like I want to say, like A's was a good year for competitive basketball, for yes. basketball that you wanted to see. You was like, okay. We know who's going to be in the finals, but I just want to know who's going to win this time. You know what I mean? Like, yes. Just, ah. And though but, a lot of the best players had good teams around them, like Moses Malone, Dr. J. You yeah, know what I mean? You got Larry Legend and Magic Johnson together. You know, Isaiah Thomas had, you know, those. the rest of the team doesn't have like a bunch of, like Joe Dumar is the second best player, but he's like one through seven extremely deep on those bad boys, Pistons. I mean, Michael Jordan didn't really have a great team around him, but I mean, it's just... Yeah, I completely agree with you in that sentiment that most of the great players had great teams. So Yeah. Alright. Are you ready to move into the main course? For sure. Alright. We'll start off with number ten. The mailman. Carl Malone. Alright, putting Carl Malone on this list. The things he did in the 1980s, I'll give you a uh, perspective here. So in 1988-87, he's dropping 27. In 12, the year after that, he's dropping 29 and 10. The year after that, he's dropping 31 and 11. So that's putting it in perspective statistically, which is absolutely insane statistics <laughs> yeah I mean the guy's getting drafted in 1985 so that tells you how quickly he grew into a dominant player he's 6'9 we all know he's ridiculously built it's like muscles on top of muscles and muscles and muscles um, this guy is a really solid defender but I feel like I feel like a great analogy for Carl Malone is he is a great example, in my opinion, of evolution of basketball. 
Okay. And the reason why I'm saying that is because there's been so many great bigs throughout the time frame from the 1960s to now with great footwork. You know, you look at a guy like uh, Kevin McHale who came in the league a little bit before him, and then you got Kareem, we got Bob McAdoo, you got Moses Malone, you know, leading into Will Chamberlain, Bill Russell, you know, even Bob Pettit, who was a little older, but kind of the start of a back down game who didn't happen in the 1960s, our top ten. But, like, it's just the growth of the post-play, and that's been the way that teams won basketball games up to that time frame, just led him to having great footwork and having great understanding of how to use his body. And when you pair that, his physical gifts is why he's so amazing. You know what I mean? Yeah. I would say that Carl Malone, I mean, like, I completely agree, for one, yeah, with mm-hmm. the sentiment that, you know, he was, it was, he's the evolution of basketball. But then, if you look at it as well, it's the, he is the evolution of basketball, but he's also, like, he's going to quickly be run over, eventually, because because during this era, this is the beginning of the guard-oriented era. You know what I'm saying? Like, Shaq comes in later, and he's like, mm-hmm. I, mean, during, I mean, during this time period, and he's dominant, but you're still looking at these smaller guards, and you're like, okay, wait a second, so I can't win directly through a center anymore. Because you have Michael Jordan. I mean, Michael, do you remember who Michael Jordan's center is? No. <laughs> Luke Longley? What, Bill, was it Bill Cartwright? Luke Longley? Yeah, Bill Cartwright? You know what I mean? Like, like different times, yeah. Yeah. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're more than now someone looking at the shooting guard, these people who can score very well, mm-hmm. the Isaiah Thomases. You know, it's more, it's coming. His time is ending, but Shaq reinvents it, and then it ends. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, it's just. And that comes back to life with JoJo. Yeah, but it's yeah. still more guard oriented. The big is not the same big it was anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, still in the 1980s. I mean, there's. Six foot five guys trying to score the post. Is <laughs> um, <laughs> there's still played through the post mainly at this time frame? So yeah, I feel like he's definitely very deserving of where he's at. Yeah. All right, we're gonna switch gears to the round mound of rebound. All right. Somebody we all know is on TNT has terrible takes on basketball. <laughs> so bad. Uh, we're talking about Charles Barkley here. Some ridiculous stuff that he was starting to do about the age of 24 in 1987, 28 and 11, the year after that, 25 and 12, the year after that, 25 and 12, 11. It's just, you know, he's a smaller guy. You know, everybody compares Zion Williamson to him because the 6'6 thing. I yeah. feel like Zion Williamson is more like lean body mass. Like Charles mm-hmm. is kind of like a thicker kind of guy, but his legs are absolutely insane. And it's just, he's obviously got great rebounding instincts and extremely low center of gravity and ability to jump off two feet. Like, he's great at that, but he has really solid post moves, a better mid-range shot than you would think. You know, and he's really able to stretch that floor that way. I mean, stretching the floor in the 80s is mostly can't even mid-range shot. It's not like you know, only guys who are really shooting from three consistently like that are Reggie Miller and Larry Bird, so... Yeah. It's just... I mean, I guess they age, too. Off the top of my head. But it's just... 
he's he's a perfect fit in the era. He has really he's he's really special athletically, and you know he's probably going to be a little higher on the '90s list. Uh, we just have so many good players, but he's he's really special, and I'm glad we have him. We have him. We have to think. What do you think? Yeah, I definitely agree with this. And like we, like I said before, we don't have really many too many takes that don't correlate with each other but for yes. Charles Barkley I do agree that you know he is perfect for that era seeing that yes. you know the three point line just became a thing not too long ago and you know to stretch the floor you don't really have to be the greatest three point shooter you just have to be a little bit athletic and be able to shoot a mid range and now you're like you're allowing littler guys and even your bigger guy to go to work you know yeah. so I feel like he's, he's also there's going to be some guys on this list that are going to come in later in the 80s, or even some of the guys come in in the 1980. But he's one of those guys that did get blessed with the situation. And what I'm saying by that is somebody who we have higher on the list. I'm not going to ruin the supplies. Moses Malone is a little bit older and was playing with a young Charles Barkley. Like that, mm-hmm. You get that mentorship from Moses Malone. And I feel like, I mean, I've heard Charles Barkley say many times that he loved Moses Malone. Moses Malone showed him many things and told him to, you know, lose some weight when he was younger. So I, I feel like that's really good influence on him. And uh, a guy that's six six can be so dominant. It's fun to watch. It's like uh, something doesn't make sense. Yeah, Zion's definitely more athletic, though. Definitely, is definitely a different athlete. But yes. to see how. He's able, like, he probably really, maybe, I don't know, maybe he went back and watched some highlight film, Charles Barkley or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, it's, it's possible. Yes. Yeah. I definitely see that correlation. All right. This, every podcast, I have a guy I love. In the 60s, it was Walt Bellamy. In the 70s, it was Tiny Archibald. And this is my guy. This is my <laughs> Number eight, Alex English. Do you know? Mm. Leading score of the 80s, Alex English. I didn't know who he was until we started this list. <laughs> yeah, he's one of those guys that get lost. Uh, let's talk about it. Okay. Statistically, he's dropping 25, 28, 26, 28, 29, 28, 25, 26.5. And 26.5 was 1988 to 89. It's like mm-hmm. perfect. His prime perfectly correlates with the 80s. It's just like a nine-year stretch of him being dominant. Um, you know, he's not. He's he's an a- average passer around five assists. He's gonna get like 2.4 rebounds. He's a six-seven guy. He's not extremely athletic, but there's reasons why. I love watching this guy play is because I immediately thought of Michael Jordan's foot. Mm. And the, the gap there is Michael Jordan was very, in the 90s, very conscious of his footwork, ma- maximized that with his athletic ability to try to be as great of a player as he can be. And, you know, Alex English reminded me of that. I mean, I saw this guy look at a guy's feet and make a move based on the defender's position. Like that, you, it's a lot of people are kind of going off the body language, but he was definitely thinking about that. I mean, mm-hmm. he's he's great at ball fakes and definitely using the up fakes, kind of like Larry Bird. 
and his footwork is just amazing. He takes great angles. Like, James Harden is known for taking great angles. Like, he's going to step back left if somebody's playing him to the race. He's going to step back right if somebody's playing him to the left. You know, he's going to drive to the basket and take a good angle so he can either get a foul or finish up. Like, he is... Alex English takes phenomenal angles. And he's just... You know, I literally saw him with the ball on the left wing backing down somebody, lean to his right shoulder a little bit, and then turn to his left shoulder and fade away to the right on the base. I immediately was like, Kobe. Right. How many times have I seen Kobe do that? He does that jump step and then go. Like, it was like, oh my goodness. Like, this guy reminds me of the Kobe, the Michael Jordan, the footwork. I mean, even a guy like DeMar DeRozan has great footwork. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just he's he's a, I'm gonna say he's an extremely poor athlete. If this guy had some bunnies, was athletic, it would be the Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, Alex English era. Like, yeah. I had so much fun watching him. I feel like somebody who really appreciates basketball would understand it, but somebody who doesn't appreciate basketball as much would kind of turn him off with like a minute. But I had so much fun watching this guy play. What do you think? And I think that this is why this is important that we do the evolution of basketball because now we can look at our current stars, our current players in the NBA and go like, wait a second, this looks just like what happened. I mean, this looks just like Alex English. This looks just like Dr. J. You know what I'm saying? Now you can make those correlations and those comparisons because mm-hmm. when I was watching Alex English, I'm looking at him and I'm going like, wow, like this guy isn't that athletic, but he's so he's he's able to maximize his skill set. He's a scorer. Yes. That's what he is. You know what I'm saying? Like, yes. he's he's getting people off balance. He's making the right move. Yes. He's making yes. the right read. It's yes. it's all. Effort. I mean, it's all chess to him. Chess. It's just yes. It's yeah, chess. We're the, yes, we're on the same wavelength on that. Yes. Yeah. He's he's beautiful. It definitely go give him a watch for real. Like I say, this it's always one player that or a couple players. I'm like, you have to see it to believe it. Go give him a watch if you appreciate basketball. The way we do, please give him a watch. Yes. All right. And just see what we're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we go from that to a guy who I feel like is probably a little underrated all time. He's not the kind of footwork that Alex English has. He's just his his Dominique Wilkins. He's six eight, six nine ish. Uh, He looks like a Greek statue, something you'd see in a museum. He's so ridiculously built. It's, like, so insane. I don't even understand how to describe it. I mean, he has literally just ability to finish with both hands. He's going to dunk on everybody. Extremely impressive running the wings. I mean, he's scary running the wings. It's a power dunker. Yes. And he just... His points per game are ridiculous, man. I mean, he comes in the league and he's, like... By year 1985-86, he's averaging 30. Like it's 30, 29, 30, 26, and 26 back-to-back. Like it's, he's getting decent rebounds. Like The most he's going to get in the 80s around 8. Not a great passer, but this guy is so special athletically, and I, I had so much fun watching him. What do you think? Definitely one of the special athletes of that era, for sure. Um, yeah. He was able to go head-to-head with Michael Jordan in the dunk contest, and that says a lot, you know, athletically. 
Yeah, I think he won that dunk contest too, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. He won in '84. Yes. He has two championships. To I'm not sure how many Michael Jordan has, but you know, free throw line over and over again. If you could jump from free throw line, I guess you would too. So whatever. <laughs> but besides the point. <laughs> <laughs> so just, yeah, yeah, so much fun to watch. Yeah, uh, let's let's get to the sixth guy, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Old now. Kareem. Kareem guy kind of gets stuck here because he's drafted in 1969, 70. So by the time he's in 1980, he's like 33. But 33, he's dropping 26 and 10. So, you know, I've, I value peak much more than, oh, how great was this player during the whole era? If we are doing that, Alex Andrews would be in the top five because he didn't mm-hmm. score the era. But... Kareem, at that point in time, still the best player in the league until Moses Malone probably overtook him in, like, 81-82 season. Mm-hmm. And it's just he's, he's not as athletically dominant, but his, his skill level of being able to be in the post and score is still extremely high, and he has his go-to moves. This is kind of when the skyhooks becomes more important because he's not as physically dominant, but he's, he's so tall and lengthy and just... So skilled. So, yeah, Kareem's definitely, everybody understands how great he is. We have talked about Kareem for literally three podcasts straight. <laughs> like, <laughs> like he, I, that's one thing I were mentioning was, like, just the greatness of this player. Think about this. Yes. He was able to play in three separate decades. Yes. 60s, 70s, and 80s. Yes. And be effective. It's crazy. No, like this is one of the greatest players of all time, if not the greatest. Yeah, I think you like him more than me, but I'm glad you like him so much. So we can create good debates in the future. Yeah. All right, let's get to number five. Number five is Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas got drafted in 1981. The highest points per game you're going to see from Isaiah's season with 23. You know, in 1985, he's dropping 13.9 assists a game. That led the league at that year. I mean, I really love watching this guy play because, I mean, he does have a mid-range shot, and um, he's one of the first people I've ever seen be able to kind of lull the player in with playing at a slower speed and then turning up into the next gear to blow by them. Like, he was really mm-hmm. phenomenal at that. We all know he's a phenomenal h- handle. What I feel like a great evolution of basketball point, I literally saw it right, right away. He is the evolution of basketball in a decade from what China and Archibald is. They both, mm, you know what I mean? Okay. And Smaller guard. Can finish at the rim. Quick. Mid-range. Yeah. Led the league in assists one year. I mean, it's just Isaiah Thomas has rings, and, you know, had a greater team, so he's going to get more recognized all the time, but he's... You know, he's, he's a phenomenal player to watch. He's probably a top three best passer of that era. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And I just, I had so much fun. I know you love him, so you can go ahead. And a lot of people may not know this, but it's closer than you think between Magic and Isaiah Thomas mm-hmm. as the two best point guards of that era. Because, like, you have Magic, he's winning rings, he's with the Lakers, and everybody's like, okay, we're looking at the Celtics and the Lakers. But Isaiah Thomas is not that far away. Yeah. Because... He's skilled. He may not be as tall as Magic, 
But now he, that you see the crossover coming into play now. You see how smaller guards can be effective in the league now. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So it's definitely an evolution of basketball because you see, like, okay, so we look at Nate Archibald. We're like, okay, he's not that tall. He's not that, oh, he's not oversized, but he's quick. He has a, a, a phenomenal skill set. He's a great passer. He can he's he showed you he can score because he led the league in scoring and assists in the same season. And now you look at Isaiah Thomas. You like okay, this looks you made the direct correlation, and I'm just going to go ahead and agree with you with that mm-hmm. because if you look at Isaiah Thomas, you see it. You see it if you watch Nate Archibald and you watch Isaiah Thomas clip right afterwards. You like okay, this is exactly where they got it from. Yes. Yeah, I feel like I'm glad that we brought up Nate Art. A tiny Archibald, how much we loved him in the last podcast. And I feel like we could definitely see the, the comparison there. All right. Yeah. Let's move to the guy that I had so much troublesome time ranking Moses Malone. The reason why I have a tough time ranking him is because he doesn't really have a deep mid range jump shot. It's not like watching Kevin McHale have a book of post moves that's like 500 pages long. Like it's. You know, it's it's not crazy like that, but he is probably the greatest offensive rebounder of all time. I mean, his rebounding stats are ridiculous. Mm-hmm. 80-81, he has 14.8. 81 to 82 for 14.7. 82 to 83, his MVP season, 15.9. Yes, I did just say 15. I mean, he literally... In 1982 and 83, he had nine points. I mean, not nine, 6.9 offensive rebounds a game. A game. That's crazy. He's he's just such a dominant force. I mean, his peak was 81, 80 through 83. You know, he's scoring mm-hmm. 27, 31, and 24, 24.5. So closer to 25. But he's just he has the ability to hit a little bit of a turnaround jump shot from about eight to ten feet out. But he's just He's such a dominant force on the basketball court. He's definitely a better player than Dr. J at that point in time when they won that ring. And he's just, he, he puts his body on you and he just, he finishes around the rim. And he's just, he's, he's so tough to rank because he's, he's so phenomenal at what he's so phenomenal at that, but he doesn't have many other things that makes a hard ranking him. But I personally love him. I love watching him play, and I, I had a great time watching him, and I just feel like he really deserves his four spot, and feel like he deserves a little bit more already all time. And yeah, that's the way I feel about him. What do you think? With Moses Malone, because we talked about him before, prior in our prior podcast, mm-hmm. it's <clears throat> that what you said exactly is more that he only has a certain amount. He only has a couple things he's really, 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 really good at, yes. and then it's just like everything else you know like phenomenal rebounder can put him on the list for that yes can score has, has great you know scoring percentages and rebounding percentages and he's just a enigma on the court you know when he plays he was the best player on the court during that championship run for the sixers mm-hmm. boom but then you look at him and he's like okay wait a second there's some downfalls here yes but the, the heights are so great that yes. you can't ignore them yes so that's why that's why we have him on our list yes Please go watch Moses Malone. Yeah. Please. Definitely a lot of All right. Oh, Michael Jordan's three. <laughs> if we don't know who Michael what? Jordan is, then uh, you might not be. You might be listening to the Rod podcast. Uh, <laughs> Jason. What? Jason. Jason. Yeah. Jason. We're going to get canceled. You put Michael Jordan three. Yes. 
We're going to get canceled. A uh, little show of how ridiculous he was. 86, 87, 37 points per game. Year after that, it's 35. Year after that, it's 32. Year after that, it's 33. Like, he's already probably the best defender at the shooting guard position. I mean, he's, in my opinion, he's the greatest individual defender for a position of all time. Uh, mm. He is just... You know, he's going to get fouled. He gets fouled so much at the rim, and he's going to make crazy dunks and crazy layups. And you, you see a little bit of the rawness from the skill set, from his ability to shoot mid-range jump shots. You can see, like, the beginning and the foundation getting laid for how phenomenal he is going to be in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And I just... I, he's he's so much fun to watch. Just like how he contorts his body mid-air and makes crazy finishes at the rim in an era that usually had a seven-footer on the floor. You know what I mean? Like this is post-play, so they had a lot of taller guys. So it's just it's it's fun to watch him. I know you're not as I feel like I like him a little more than you. I feel like he's absolutely phenomenal, and I I love watching him play. So yeah, you can. You can go on your spiel. <sighs> Michael Jordan, aka <laughs> your airness, aka free throw line for free throw line for free throw line for free throw line, mm-hmm. aka can't shoot that well, aka lost in the first round, <laughs> aka Isaiah Thomas, who was a smaller guard, used to own him. <laughs> Um, his list goes on. Um, but I, <laughs> uh, Mike is. I mean, this was definitely his launching pad year, if I want to say that. This is the year that propelled him into stardom the next in, in the following decade. Yes. Um, you've seen the the makings of a star. The makings of an all star. The makings of a legend. A, a legend of a possible greatest player of all time. Yes. You know, like you see where these conversations start to be built from. Because you see, you know, he was, you see him in, at um, NC, you know, and then he jumps into the NBA. And then now you see him just, Dumbed. it's like he never took his foot off the gas mm-hmm. when he got in the NBA. It's just like immediately. But he didn't have like the best team around him. So I guess I can't fault him for not being able to get in the first round. I mean, get past the first round. Yeah. But. I gotta find something because you can't find anything bad about this guy. Like you can't. He's <laughs> yeah. just he's a he's a beginning to end amazing athlete, amazing basketball player. You know he's not one of my favorites because I just have to be that guy. <laughs> I get it. I get it. I have to be that guy. Just like I don't. I mean, listen. I will always respect Michael Jordan as a basketball player because you can't be a basketball fan and not respect Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. You can't call yourself a fan if you don't respect. Michael Jordan. I wasn't gonna say the goat, but I can't say that. But you yes. can't respect him. You can't say that you're a basketball fan and not respect him. I definitely respect him. I respect his body of work. I respect what he was able to accomplish on the court and what he and the environment that he was able to create for generations to go on. Because now we've seen now we see the blueprint of Michael Jordan and then how Kobe came and you're like, wait a second, exactly. And then you now Kobe's the blueprint and now you see other players who now you see like the Jason Tatum's and the Jalen Browns and the Devin Booker's and stuff like that. Now you see what I'm saying? Like it's all from built from the Jordans, the Dr. J's, you know, Dr. J, I mean, Dr. J influenced Jordan, Alex English influenced Jordan, you know, picking from different people's games from different decades, watching them and developing and perfecting 
what they were good at. So, yeah. I guess I can't hate on Jordan, but I want to. Yeah, he's like Charles Barkley, where he had a phenomenal vet on his team when he was young. He had George Gervin uh, on his team when he was younger. So, yeah. I feel like, obviously, we have him in the 1970s all-time podcast, so it, on the top ten list. So, he obviously got topped by a great one. All right. Yeah. You ready to move on to who's number two and who's number one? We have Larry Legend, number two. Uh, this guy is absolutely phenomenal. The first six years of his career, he averaged more than 10 rebounds a game. You know, he walked in the league, was averaging 4.5 assists. You know, his peak assist-wise, he was averaging around 7.6. So he's a phenomenal passer. And, you know, he's scoring his peak 28. He walked in scoring 21, which is ridiculous. <laughs> Walking into the NBA, he scored 21 a game. Yeah. He's 6'9". You know, he's everybody knows that he's not as athletic. Um, but he's definitely like Alex English with the ball fakes, with the pump fakes. His shot is so deadly that everybody was biting on it, so he had moves off of that which made him very deadly because we all know he's a phenomenal shooter. You know, he has a nice... He posts up more than you think if you don't watch him play. Mm -hmm. um, he has great fadeaways. He has. He's just such a phenomenal positive force on the floor. He affects all three phases of the game offensively uh, with rebounding assists and scoring. So he's just... He's such a phenomenal, well-rounded player. And he's... If... If I didn't think Magic was so amazing, he would be number one, and I'd be cool with it. You know, he's such a great player. And I, I love watching him play. He's the only jersey I have in my closet for basketball players, so that tells you my affinity for him because he's a great trash talker. I'm going to segue to you on that so you can get to your later talk. Right. I just wanted to stop by and just say, <clears throat> just in a quick drive-by, that between Magic and Larry Bird is actually closer than a lot of people think because this is like an interchangeable one and They're two. So because some people may have Larry Bird one, yes. some people may have Magic Johnson two, some people may have Magic one, Magic one Larry Bird two. You know, because they definitely were the clash of the titans of the 80s. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mentioned this before earlier in the podcast, where it's just like they consistently went head to head. It was always who's going to win, who's going to win, who's the better, who's better, who's better. Magic Johnson came out on top. But Larry Bird was not far behind. Um, when, when you think Larry Bird, you think of all of the greatest and the craziest stories you've heard where like he's been telling people, like, oh, I'm going to go left and score on you with the left hand. And then he does it. And he's, they're just like, wait, what? You know what I'm saying? And then even with like the legend where he, during the three-point contest, he wins in a warm-up. <laughs> so, like... Who's, he, asks, he, asks, he asks who's coming in second because I'm coming in first. Yes. So, just think of just a great athlete, great trash talker, all time trash talker. All right, this segue segues into number one, Magic Johnson. If I'm being honest, I the part about him that I didn't, I don't, I thought, I thought it was when I watched Larry Bird. I watched Larry Bird perform. I watched Magic, and I thought, okay, Larry Bird's going to be number one. Mm -hmm. uh, Magic Johnson at his peak, much better scorer than I thought. 
Mm-hmm. So the highest scoring season for him is 23.9, which is his peak season in 1986 and 87, where he had 12 assists, 23.9 points, and 6.3 rebounds. I mean, obviously the guy can rebound. He's 6'9". His highest rebounding season was 9.6. His lowest scoring season was like 16. He only has two seasons scoring more than 20 points. And I'm honestly still absolutely amazed because I value score. Like, I value the ability to score. Mm -hmm. He's probably the greatest scorer ever. Not greatest. The greatest player ever to not score more than 24 points a game. I'll give you that. He is the greatest passer of all time. Honestly. He is... Without a doubt. So ahead of his time passing and understanding spacing, basketball IQ, his ability to finish at his size especially. He's got a really... In his prime in 1986 and 87, he's got a nice 15-18 foot jumper. It's like the high school three-point line is where his range starts. Uh, His... His passing is just ridiculous. It's if Ben Simmons worked as hard as Magic Johnson, that would be like the upside that everybody sees of Ben Simmons. Why you partially dislike Ben Simmons because his upside is ridiculous. It's just yeah. I literally saw it do so many times of putting it right in the shooter's pocket, coming off of pin down screens for mid range shot, which is crazy to see. <laughs> but mm-hmm. off ball screens for mid range shots, but he's. He is so amazing just running the floor, finishing. He's a force at the rim. He's not a dunker, but he's still putting pressure on the rim. He's 6'9". He has a pretty solid body. And it's just, he's so amazing as a passer. That's so, he elevates everybody around him. He could literally, he's like LeBron James. He could take five pieces of paper to the conference finals. Like, it is, he didn't really yeah. have the ability to show that, but he could have done that. Uh, he probably would have had scored more points. And that's what maybe his points are a little misleading because he's a skill scorer. He has good post moves too. He's just honestly, I I know you love Kareem, but so far of the players that we watched, he's my second best. That's how much I love Magic Johnson, and you know that I think mm. Kareem's really phenomenal. But yeah, I I was I was really really impressed. It was much better score than I thought. I already knew he was going to be an amazing passer, but. Yeah, I, I really I love watching him play. Yeah, what do you what do you have to say? So with Magic, I'm not really surprised because mm-hmm. I went back, you know, before our podcast. I mean, before you know, before podcast was even thought of. You know what I mean? Yeah. I used to I I watched Magic before, and he does have a plethora of post moves. Like I remember he used a sky hook to win a championship, oh, and he had an amazing hook shot. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he wasn't a great shooter. He had a mid range game a little bit, but mm. it was more like really up close to the basket. He was kind of like a big in the center's body the way he played a little bit. Besides the fact that he could finesse and move and pass yes. the ball and facilitate and control the pace of the game, yes. but he was a big in the center's body the way he played because yes. he had to be so close to the basket because he couldn't stretch the floor. Yes. Yeah, I feel like that's a good take. Yeah, I feel like he's absolutely phenomenal. And it's just... Yeah, I'm so glad we have him number one. And yeah, I, I feel like he's he's so amazing. If Will Chamberlain wasn't so godlike, he would probably be one all time for me. It's ridiculous. <laughs> he honestly is. <laughs> Alright, so that's going to be the end of our podcast. We're going to... 
could you guys please, give, if you like the podcast, hit the download button or give us five stars. It really affects, affects us positively because you can get more socials. All right, so you can follow us on Instagram at underscore addicted, the number two, basketball, addicted to bas- underscore addicted to basketball on Instagram. You know, send us a message, give us a nice comment or something like that. We respond, okay? Okay. Sounds good. This is going to be the end of the podcast. Yep. I'm Jason Collins. And I'm Chris Mohammed. We're the basketballs. Peace. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.